Welcome to episode 20 of the Sensi Postcast. Can you believe we made it 20 episodes? Wild. Uh, part one, we're talking about that New York Red Bull referee extravaganza. An exciting match uh, that was uh, incredibly frustrating, but a really hyped crowd uh, on that one. And part two, we're talking a little bit of uh, FC Sensei transfer, uh, business transfer news, uh, direction of the team so far. They tell us their position in the table is going to inform their decisions going forward forward but does it really and then finally in part three we actually recorded immediately after that vancouver draw heartbreak in the queen city uh you'll get everybody's immediate reactions after walking home in the soaking rain and that will be your episode 20 of the cincy postcast And joining me to discuss all of that and then more, and then to come back tomorrow night and to talk about it a little bit more, uh, we've got the usual crew on the postcast tonight. Uh, joining me is Grayson. Grayson, uh, somebody who's always been known to boo a referee. How are we feeling tonight? Feeling pretty good. I, I prepped with the uh, a bourbon smash, the bourbon peach smash, the one people may have been seeing on a instagram lately um, <laughs> it takes a real long time to make so uh i'm moving on to just the scotch okay just it just as the evening goes on it just gets simpler and simpler and simpler i i can respect that right until it just sure. booze out of the bottle <laughs> that's, that's how you know you won uh, and, uh the beautiful voice of the chief Chief, uh, is there an analogy that can go too far in trying to prove your point on Twitter, or is everything fair game online? <laughs> I used to think everything was fair game online just because Twitter is a hellscape for which all of us are addicted and can't quit. Um, I would think that when you want to construct a good analogy online, you want something that has some weight, that adds some weight to the conversation. Yep. And yep, that sure. maybe something that, you know, that really cuts the fat away in terms of getting right to the, the crux oh, of the argument. Um, <laughs> when you've really constructed a good analogy, it's just something people want to eat up. So I think I'm just going to bail out of this right now. Hello. Oh, my gosh. I don't know what a, a subtweet equivalent is in the podcast world, but I think we just sub-podcasted there. So oh. there you go. I think we did have two good examples in the last couple of days of uh, bad bad lines not to cross on Twitter. One more mild, and then one one real bad one today. The, the best <laughs> the best description I've ever read of Twitter is that there's one main character per day, and it's all a contest to not be that person. <laughs> we had we had some people trying to be main characters this week. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Now in the the tweet I believe Grayson is referring to there, yeah, just a a, a straight up like dare I say actual white supremacist Nazi showing up in the mentions of uh, FC Cincinnati a little little uncomfortable. Uh, you sometimes yeah. like to pretend that that exists somewhere else, not interacting with your favorite soccer team. But and then you re- then you remember Goshen exists. I have I have a I have a tip for the next time this happens and it's it's going to happen again. Uh, okay. I, I hate to say it. Um don't reply to the tweet. The player gets notifications, they keep getting mm. notifications that this 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 tweet just happened. Just report it. Yeah. Just block and report is is my my suggestion for next time. 
See something, don't say something, report something. There you go. That's Twitter, Twitter in a nutshell. does nothing. <laughs> yeah, it turns out, I don't know if anybody else got that. Yeah, I got the uh, did not violate rules, which is uh, concerning, considering one of the very few things that it spelled out in the rules was Holocaust denial was the thing that is against Twitter's rules. And that, that was definitely See, and on this that is, profile. And this is why Elon is backing out of the deal. <laughs> R.I.P. Twitter. Well, not on Twitter, but in real life, on on grass. They touched grass in this game. New York City. No. Oh, my gosh. New York Red Bulls in FC Cincinnati played a game. Uh, it was a feisty one. I'm... I know of at least one FCC fan that ha, got suspended on Twitter for, for saying mean things about referees. Just in the <laughs> abstract. Just in the abstract. Tur- turns out there are people you can say you can say to kill yourself and get there's some of the consequences for it. <laughs> there's there's there is a limit, yes. And um yeah, it was an exciting game. It was a fun game. It was a fun one to be at. It was um I mean <laughs> Much of the uh, the chagrin, I guess, of our uh, goalkeeping coach. It was one of the best environments I've experienced as an FCC fan in a uh, well, half decade almost at this point. Incredible atmosphere. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Chief, what was your uh, top-line takeaway walking away from this one? My top-line takeaway walking away from this one was that I thought it was in a weird way an odd sign of respect that New York paid to FC Cincinnati by coming yeah. in here and just shithousing. That yeah. that in the past, when teams would come to Cincinnati, it was a free three points. They'd show up, they'd do their thing, they'd win 3-0, 4-1, something like that, and they'd move on with their lives. But uh, the Red Bull team came into this game, and it was clear from jump they didn't want to play soccer. They wanted to bomb the ball downfield, play physical, and when that wasn't working, they wanted to flop around on the grass like a fish and <laughs> and shithouse and waste time and look for cheap contact, cheap cards, cheap penalties. And to me, I mean, it's soccer. That's a legitimate strategy in soccer. That's just the way the game is. If you don't like that, you're telling me you don't really like the sport because that's just it's a part of the sport much like the 3-4 defense is in football. It just is. Yeah. But it's the kind of tactic that you employ most of the time when you aren't confident that you can line up 11 v 11 and beat a team. Yes. So in a strange sort of way, there was some respect being paid by the number one team in the Eastern Conference coming on the road and thinking they were in this for a point as opposed to all three on the road. So as annoying as that was and as pissed off as I was walking out of the stadium, um, respect that was a respect game kind of am i wrong in that yeah i'm, I'm kind of torn on this uh first of all like that kind of play is what i actually wanted to see from us when we sucked right like I absolutely like, i was like we suck can we at least be hard to play against but instead we're like oh we're gonna build from the back we're gonna play pretty football and we were teams loved playing against us we were the easiest game anybody had all year um, so like, yeah, it's a totally legitimate strategy that if, if you're not going to beat the other team, uh, playing, you know, quote unquote football, you do the shit housing, you do the diving, you flop around, you take cheap shots, you work the refs, you do all that stuff. But on the other hand, like it's embarrassing to me as a new fan of MLS that the number one team in the East does this every game. 
Yeah, because it's because <laughs> yeah. it's not just a it's not just a sign of respect to us. They give every team in the league this much respect. They have no no desire to go into any game they play and actually play soccer. And it's fine if you suck and that's how you do it. And I get the Red Bull has the has the pressing style and and, and all that. But this year is is this year seems different yeah. with with Gerhard Gerhard Struber and. Um, Frankly, the refs should be onto them, right? Because you shouldn't be able to get away with the stuff that they get away with. No, right. I mean, but like, you also—it's—it's it's also one of those things too, where I get the idea that this is a tactic shitty teams employ. Like, I'm always reminded of in the first Mighty Ducks movie that when Coach Bombay <laughs> realizes that ducks can't play hockey, the first strategy he employs is he has the team repeating the mantra of "Take the fall." Act hurt, get indignant, and like their <laughs> game plan is just falling down and looking for contact the entire time. But if I was a New York team or an LA based team in this league, with the way everything seems to slant in favor of big market teams, yeah, I would go looking for contact constantly. I would go looking for penalties constantly because it definitely feels like the big market teams in this league are officiated different than the rest of the league. You get a differently officiated game when there's a New York team on the field than there is if you're playing a Kansas City versus a Minnesota game. That's not a conspiracy at this point. When you watch the league, these games just turn out differently in terms of the officiating when there's a big market team involved. Yeah, yeah. but like NYCFC, they you know they, they do their fair share and they got Chano, who's probably my least favorite player in the league. But <laughs> you know, they play soccer. Like they they combine with each other on offense, they have ideas, they build. LAFC plays probably the best aesthetic soccer in all of MLS. And so yeah, like these teams know that they can get calls, but at least they try to go out there and beat you with the ball. Yeah, that, that's the, I mean, the frustrating thing in particular about, Chief, you talked about the market, is like New York Red Bull is just completely squandering being a New York team, and I think they're squandering being a Red Bull team. They have a, a virtually limitless amount of cash behind them, an insane scouting system, and access to some of the best players from all around the world, and what they get is like, yeah, a ragtag team that's well coached and just trying to like dark arch their way to the first place and they do okay in the playoffs, but they never win anything. It's just such a waste of the New York market. Like, I would love the LAFC of New York because then there'd be a couple of super teams and that would be kind of fun, but like. They don't even do that. Like, some of their best players are Aaron Long and Frankie Amaya, a guy that, uh, one, uh, Grayson tried to recruit to FCC last week, and another guy who desperately tried to leave FCC and did successfully leave FCC. Like, two, as far as I see it, FCC caliber players are two of their best players on their team. That's super sad for a New York team. There should be a, there, I don't know, Luis Suarez should be playing for that team at a minimum. There should be a name on that team. It's very annoying. I, I will add, though, that I think the act was turned up to 11 in this game by New mm-hmm. York. And I think the reason for that, I've been squatting on this take for a while, um, and I want your guys' opinion on this. I think at least somewhere in the league, the book is out on FC Cincinnati that, A, 
you can bait them into some mistakes when it comes to drawing shitty fouls. Mm. And B, I think also more recently, I think that we're getting receipts a little bit. And we're going to, we taped this part before the Vancouver game on Wednesday. So we'll see if this changes my opinion. But I think we're getting receipts from Pat Noonan calling out that assistant referee in the NYCFC match. Like, if there's one thing you know about officials, is they don't take kindly to criticism. And regardless of what the official policy is, would it shock anyone if on the back channels with these officials in pro, there aren't text message threads saying, can you believe what they did to whatever that fucking guy's name was, CJ? Can you believe Pat Noonan called him out? How unprofessional is that? We can't stand for this sort of thing. And maybe we're picking up a little bit of the back end for what he said. And if you believe that, then all of a sudden what Acosta went out and did after the match, because that would have been something where it's like, Pro is doing this to us, and Acosta goes out after the match and criticizes the officiating, draws attention to it, says, suspend me or fine me, do whatever you want. But you know what a a suspension or a fine does? It gets MLS to look at it. Mm -hmm. It gets MLS to take a closer look at what Pro is potentially doing in terms of backlash to Noonan and the FC Cincinnati team for what the comments that were made or Noonan going after that official. And maybe it does result in the suspension for Acosta, but it also gets MLS thinking like, okay, you made your point. It's time to move on and officiate these games a little more closely. Because that officiating in this game was a fucking clown show. It was bad. Well, so Acosta mentioned that, you know, he feels like it's against them all the time. And I know we're homers here, but I think... I mean, they have more penalty kicks given up than any other team in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Twitter, the infamous Twitter thread from over the weekend, which is the thing that boggled my mind about it, because it it, set, it took the position that refs are purposefully calling games unfairly against us because the fans are complaining too much and the players are complaining too much, right? And oh. it still took the refs' side. <laughs> and, like, okay, like if how. It's, it's one thing to say, like, the refs um, are calling it unfairly because of this. It's another thing to say, and that's the right thing to do, and that's good. Right. And we should just we should just sit down and shut up. And I th- an analogy kind of came to mind that I hope is better received than some others. Um, it, I watched the movie My Cousin Vinny again recently. And, <laughs> that's a great. you know, he goes down. He's a New York lawyer. He goes down to the South. He's got this criminal trial. And the judge hates him. You know, the judge hates his style. The judge hates the way he acts. The judge is always finding him in contempt of court, right? But does he change what he's doing? No, he's there to represent his clients, there to defend them and defend their position. And he just keeps getting thrown in contempt, thrown in contempt again, goes back the next day, does the same stuff, stands his ground. And eventually, you know, his case speaks for itself. He becomes undeniable and he wins. Yeah, That's, well, is that F, is that SEC doing that or is that the Bailey doing that? Who's who's Vinny in this case? Well, I think I think it's all of it. I think okay. I think it's all of it. What was wild about it is though is it's it's already conceding the point that that stupid thread that we'll talk about at some point. I'm sure beyond now is that it concedes the point the officiating has been biased. Like right. that's what's mind boggling to me. And I just I don't know how you can watch some of the stuff that's gone on in the NYCFC game, and especially this game too, and think FC Cincinnati is getting a fair shake from the officials. Like the 
the dude exploding when Alan Cruz walks by him and drawing a card. <laughs> and what was mind-boggling was that the Red Bull social media account tweeted out a video of that. They tweeted out a better look of that that clearly showed their dude taking a dive. Um, yeah. that, that shows that they know the fix is in, right? Yeah. It shows they know it's in. Right? Absolutely. They know that they're they know there's no consequence for that right there. They know that what's going on, they know that nothing they're gonna say is gonna change the way this is working in their favor and working against Cincinnati. So why why not highlight that shit? You know, it's you like know, a, the it's play like of the a, game for them. It's it's like a mobster going up to a cop and just like playing around with his gun, right? Because they know it's like, oh, you know, I'm untouchable. Right. You know, right. like the system's rigged for me. Uh, yeah. And it I don't know. It's just it's so frustrating that like there's no retroactive punishment for flopping. I feel like that's the easiest win for any league to do that. Like keep all the other yellows in place, but like I I, I forget well, the exact here, Red Bull my, player that did it, but yeah, it should get a yellow. Here's my idea. I, I think that this should be implemented immediately in that MLS next, whatever the league that nobody watches is, <laughs> um, where they try out all the rule changes. Yes. I think that every team once per half should get a coach's challenge for a dive. And the way it works is that when you think there's been a dive, you can call the challenge in. Play doesn't have to stop. It can get checked remotely while play is ongoing. And if a player is found to have uh, like taken the dive, then they'll retroactively stop play at the next stoppage and issue the yellow card, the caution for that. Um, I'd love it'll it. get it out of the league. If, if you start letting coaches and assistant coaches call in from the sidelines on a dive like that, you'll get that shit out of the league immediately once cards start being issued. And it's not being punished. You'll see so many cases where there, you know, there's contact in the box and a guy falls real hard. He's, he's exaggerating the contact. And no call is made either way. That is the worst thing to me. It's either a penalty that they've committed a foul and, and needs to be punished according to the rules of the law, or the other player dove, and they need a yellow card for diving. You can't, both of those things can't exist at the same time. And you see it twice a game, every game. And if they would just start enforcing some of the rules, including the crowding rule, like I would love to see a referee just yellow card seven dudes in one one move. Like, uh, you'd stop doing <laughs> just, that immediately. Just spamming the yellow cards like yeah. Stone Cold hitting boom, the stutter boom, in the boom, 90s. Boom, boom. <laughs> well, I would much rather see the ref card seven guys that are crowding him than, you know, let shit go by all game, let yep. the game get out of hand, and then just arbitrarily give that guy a red card, right? Because yeah. you've already you've thrown the entire game out of whack. Like you've already yeah. lost control of it, and you know you end up with situations like at the end of the game where Aaron Long dips his head in, Lucho stands steps to him. Yeah, I don't think he head butted him. I mean, there may his, 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 his there may have been like contact, but he's not leading with his head. You know, the I contact think, incidental, he's trying to step to him. If The only person who puts their head in is Aaron Long, right? But then Aaron Long kind of figures out, okay, well, I got him. Right, you know, and he, right. starts, he starts calling I mean, me for it. It's, and, then it's, at the end, it's a, and then at the press conference afterward, he's like, he's like, yeah, he didn't hurt me. He didn't touch thing, me. Yeah. It wasn't a thing. <laughs> you didn't act like it wasn't a thing when you were on the field. Right. It's like the problem that I have with it is that, okay, I understand why 
that's a strict red card situation. It's because they want to disincentivize players going face up with one another because you have to know in that situation, if I go face to face with someone and my head makes any kind of contact and they flop on it, I'm going to draw a red, which to me is stupid. Then just make it a red card violation to go face to face with people like that. If that's what you really want to get out of the league, make right. it a red card offense if you step to someone and get make physical contact with them. Don't play this bullshit game where, well, we'll we'll give the red if you get close enough that the other guy can plausibly act like you made head-to-head contact with him and flops and gets the assistance view and then we review it and we see that like your chin hair touched right. his chin hair. Just <laughs> It's fucking senatorial nonsense and just <laughs> ban the conduct that you want to get out and yes. and don't make it so that you have to like lean into things and, and do all this nonsense to draw a card. It's just stupid. It's stupid. It, it, it's so soccer is what it is. It's, and it's so it's stupid. Block, it's blocker charge, but only with foreheads. So like it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good fun game for everybody. Um, no, we've danced around it. Uh, I do want to address the, uh, the, the Twitter thread. Um, I, I don't think we're necessarily disparaging any singular person. I think we can all disagree on a take. Uh, it's from, uh, coach Goff on, uh, he contributes to Cincinnati soccer talk. He does his own talk and talk. Tactics podcast, which I think is under the CST umbrella. I'm not entirely sure exactly parent organizations there, but he says, uh, I guess after the Bailey started booing the referee one good time, and this is where the Bailey culture hurts the team. Now they will go about booing the ref for every call, even the good ones, which is weird. Uh, Then the ref will call more against FCC just to prove a point concerning then the players will start feeling hard done by and quit focusing on their own play etc and i feel like the etc is doing a lot of work there as well it's like and the rest of my argument you got it um it's like no you should probably spell it out uh but yeah a lot of weirdness in there bailey culture again as opposed to anybody else who's booing referee decisions in all of sportsdom let alone soccer uh we boo the ref for every call even the good ones like i don't know like if your guy blatantly gets a red card like say say gb did actually bite now mccabe are we supposed to applaud him being sent off like yes great call referee that was i'm so glad my team is now bravo <laughs> um yeah. and then yeah the point that the chief uh, or one of you, both of you brought up at this point, uh, the ref will call more against FCC just to prove a point. That's concerning. <laughs> That's not a good thing. That's, That's... What, what it feels like, though, is that feels like that you're taking – and, you know, I've never met Coach Goff. I'm sure he's a great dude. This yeah. is not meant to personally disparage him. I don't know. Maybe he's a shitty dude. I have no idea. I've never met the guy. <laughs> <laughs> but this really feels like a – I coached in eighth grade. And this is what I experienced there, where maybe you are going to run into a ref where when the parents get on him, they try, that person tries to make a point. And right. where the eighth grade team does get amped up by the, what the emotions are on the sidelines. But if you're expecting me to believe that professional referees in MLS – well, I, I do believe that part. I believe they're shitheads. But like that Lucho Acosta 
is influenced by how the crowd is reacting negatively, making millions of dollars. And like the, the, the crowd booing is going to send him into a berserker frenzy and he loses control of his ability to play soccer because there's so much anger in the building. Like, I don't know. I don't believe that. That's nonsense. You know Keep what's in mind. I was just going to say, keep in mind, Lucho Acosta came up playing at Boca Juniors, one of the most hostile environments on planet Earth, bar none, with a history of extreme violence against referees. No, it's like, I mean, you watch these CONCACAF matches when the United States plays, and they have people with fucking riot shields guarding people on corner kicks because they're throwing piss bottles and shit at people that are taking kicks. What we do in MLS is the most milquetoast shit in the soccer world. Like, we are the most white bread, upper middle class set of fans basically anywhere in the, in the Western Hemisphere. Um, the, you go know, other places, they're setting road flares off. They're like, their TIFOs are hanging people in effigy and shit like that. But the, there are actual hooligans in the stands with actual criminal records. And like, they're going to say that us booing in the Bailey. Is is causing too much negativity? What a it's a bad take. I'll yeah, here here being a hooligan is like moving some nerd's megaphone or something. <laughs> right. That's like Cincinnati or, or it, hooliganism. It's it's, it's but, Todd Carnes getting in your face about something. That's what a hooligan is here in you know North America. It's okay, what, whatever. Would I Man, I have like a Love really you, bad, Todd. I have like a really bad an- analogy for this, but maybe I, maybe I won't go there. Um so what what I can't get over is the like quote even the good ones, you know because like one like okay like if you're gonna boo the refs maybe you are gonna boo sometimes they're right whatever like you're not you we're not the refs like we don't we're not supposed to be like correct right. all the time but it remi- it kind of reminds me of like um there was a. There was a This American Life about this school district in like upstate New York or something where um, the school board got taken over by people who like wanted to lower the taxes and didn't want to fund the school. And they just started just like stripping resources from the school. You know, they started cutting all these programs and uh, they were like tearing the, the school apart and parents went to the went to the school board meeting and they were up in arms because they're watching their kids just, you know, their kids' futures go down the drain. And one of the, somebody who's like an ally of the school board member goes up and speaks and he says, you know, everybody's really upset. Nobody's talking about all the nice things the school board members do. And it's like, (laughs) I don't know, like you're supposed to be the custodian of the game. Like you're, you're supposed to be doing a good job if you are directly wrecking my team. Uh, And, you know, playing favorites against us game after game after game, you know, it it's not my job to just sit there and take it. And I can't do anything other than voice my displeasure. Yeah. Loudly and repeatedly. And the other thing, too, is what, what I just think it's lost in all this is that, yes, everyone boos the ref when the ref makes a shitty call. It's loud. It's angry. But do you know... If you're from Cincinnati and you've lived in Cincinnati for any length of time, there is nothing that unifies Cincinnatians more than the thought that there is someone out there that is doing wrong against Cincinnati. We are at our happiest as residents of Cincinnati when we feel aggrieved 
That's what our brand is. Our brand is feeling aggrieved. And that brings us together. And those moments where we can all call the ref a son of a bitch and boo for making a bad call, those are unifying moments in the stadium. And usually what follows from that is a roar of approval from the crowd, the next big play that happens. It brings us closer together to hate the person doing wrong to Cincinnati. So and that's it's it's great that that energy in the stadium that negative energy makes you feel alive and more connected to everyone else around you and that's <laughs> probably a terribly bad thing in the wrong circumstances but in that moment in the stadium it's fucking phenomenal that's a great feeling to all be collectively angry at the same person yes so I'll, I'll do my I'll do my bad analogy um. oh, oh good. <laughs> Get the, uh, so, bu- get, the, get the edit button ready, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, Kevin, Kevin can cut this out. I get I get The Economist magazine. And, um, so we've gone from NPR now to The Economist. This is the hoity-toity reference section yeah. of the pod. So, they are sliding further right, but continue. <laughs> so, yeah, this is – we are. This is for, this is for uh, entering MLS and FC Cincinnati podcast. <laughs> uh, um, so I get The Economist magazine, and they had a book review of like a history of like antebellum America – and one of their critiques of the book was that it was like they felt it was too harsh on the institution of slavery. <laughs> that they were like, what? They were like, surely not all the slaveholders were as bad as the ones depicted in this book. Oh. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, Mr. Book Reviewer, you do not have to hand it to <laughs> under any circumstances. Yeah, this is like that drill tweet. I, re- yes. I apologize. Yes. Under no circumstances do you got to hand it to ISIS. <laughs> like, and it's not, this isn't obviously as bad, but like, if they're just doing a shitty job, right? I think I'm going to make them feel like they did a shitty job. That's the whole point of being a fan, or if we could uh, not abbreviate it, a fanatic, uh, somebody who you know has lost all inhibitions in, with regards to supporting their team. Uh, Coach Goff does say later in his thread, uh, garbage may be a strong word, but I don't think they're very good. So he's on our side on this. He just doesn't like you... I don't know. Play acting your your actual frustration that he shares with you. You, you no, should just, keep that just, to yourself. He needs to take a stand. He needs to find the high ground on his way to a decent point, and that's you, you just don't for a second take the high road. Fuck these officials. It was bad. Yes. You you don't have to hand it to them. You don't earn extra points online for no. for clapping at the right time and booing the right thing. You don't earn an extra goal for acknowledging when your team makes a mistake. Just go in there and be a passionate fan and figure out where that takes you. And as long as that doesn't take you onto the field or throwing something onto the field, who gives a shit? I think this plays into some of the broader narrative we've um, uh, had about, you know, how the Bailey is and how how it should be and the best way to be a soccer fan. And it just seems like there's a lot of people who are – want to just like micromanage others and be like, you know, nobody is doing things the way I exactly prefer it, right? (laughs) And it's just we have to understand that there's there's a lot of people in there. They're doing lots of stuff. Um, There sometimes it comes a critical mass and, you know, the group starts booing, the group starts cheering, the group starts saying, you know, fuck you, Frankie, whatever they're doing. And people, we all just have to find our way together. 
Right. You know, it's, if it's, somebody's it's, annoying you for a second, just wait for the next second and they'll do a different thing. And also, it's okay to boo. It's okay to have yes, fun booing. Of course. It is okay. I don't know if this is me being a professional wrestling fan for my entire life talking. It's okay to boo the bad guys. It's yes. fun. The ref is the bad guy. He's the he's the person trying to stop your team from having fun and doing the right thing. When he's not on your side, no matter how right he is, it's okay to boo because he is opposing your team, FC Cincinnati, doing what it wants to do. Have fun with it. Fuck. It's not life and death here. It's a, it's soccer. It's not that serious. Yes. Some of the loudest cheers I've heard in TQL Stadium over the years is when the other team gets a red card. Like, that is, that is like, yeah, great. I don't think anybody's evaluating the red card or thinking, ooh, that was kind of soft. The ref's kind of being aggressive. No, fuck you. Yeah, woo. Ref's doing a great job. He sent one of their players off. Send two more off while you're at it. Like, who cares? It's like that in every sport, too. Like, you know, the pass interference flag, that draws a huge cheer when yes. it goes the right way. Or the, the holding flag that takes back a huge play that nobody cheers for that. <laughs> oh, no, Grayson, you mentioned this as well. The, uh, the, the fuck you Frankie chants that were heard crystal clear uh, on the broadcast. That was so funny, man. <laughs> that was great. And uh, I know uh, Jonah and Kale are really touched on this one, but it was actually impressive to see how much of the stadium got behind Fuck You Frankie versus like it wasn't just like a weird niche thing. I know the Post has had a uh, time since Frankie thanked the fans. It may be time to retire that. I think we might have officially burned the bridge at this game. I, don't, I would not expect him to thank because at this point, um, I don't know about you guys. I thought that was awesome. I, again, a, another great collective moment from the crowd. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, we may, uh, I would be okay if it never happens again because in yeah. this moment it was a lot of fun. But, yeah, I'm okay. Like Another thing, it, booing the refs, huge part of being a sports fan. Other huge part about being a sports fan, holding a grudge. <laughs> yes. Holding an irrational <laughs> grudge. There are all sorts of sports players out there for – that I just I irrationally hate. I irrationally hate Steve Smith, former wide receiver from the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> Why? Because he was really good. He always caught a lot of passes against teams I liked, and he looked like an asshole. So I irrationally <laughs> hate Steve Smith. I irrationally hate Frankie Amaya. If I saw him on the street, I wouldn't push him into traffic or anything like that. But having an irrational sports grudge is fun. But this you wouldn't push fun. him out of traffic either. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are you, he, what are you two doing in traffic? He's he's an adult. He has agency. I'm not going to make a choice for him. But it's fun. It's fun to irrationally hate people because of sports. That's part of what makes being a sports fan fun. It's not supposed to make fucking sense. There's all sorts of people I fucking hate as a result of sports. It makes the game experience more fun. Yes. Uh, wall Fall. This is a, an old school USL Oh, wow. Name. I haven't thought about that one in a while. Wall Fall uh, still plays for uh, Oakland Roots. Not that I'm keeping tabs on his That's career right. at all. We went but, to MLS. Uh, <laughs> He's still in the minor leagues. Who got the last laugh on that one, Wall? Played for the Rochester Rhinos. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. If, if whatever circumstance put FCC up against him, I'd still boo him. That was a supremely annoying game that we played against him that one time. Um, I do, I do no. feel like that. I do feel like, like Chief said, we made our, we made our point, you yeah. know. And I, 
and you know, if people want if people want to boo next time, people want to do whatever they want next time. I'm not going to tell them not to do that. I doubt it will feel the same. Right. No, if it's if it happens again, it's a bit. Like, yeah. and I'm okay yeah. with having a bit going on. And then at that point, I think it's good natured. I don't think there's any. No one really hates Frankie. No. No, it's just it's funny. It's fun to hate him. If that makes sense. I think it. I I really think what has inspired more of the hate is that we're good now. I think if we still sucked, it'd be like, damn, he got out. I wish I could have gotten out. <laughs> but, but, but now that we're good, it's like, fuck you. Also, you'd fit in real nicely in this midfield, you asshole. Like, it'd have been real nice to have you here. Well, I solve a lot of problems. <laughs> I I was a little annoyed. I, I do think us being good plays into it. I think it being like more of a normal season uh, yeah. plays into it. Um. I doubt a lot of people saw this, but I was a little annoyed at the uh, Struber comment where he said, you know, Frankie was never like really integrated into the FC Cincinnati team. He was giving everybody haircuts, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. He was over at like Greg Garza's house all the time. Maybe he wasn't giving them the haircuts they wanted, though. He really hadn't learned whatever what guard everyone wanted to use. It, it turned out it was bullying. They were making him give them haircuts. <laughs> it's like a prison situation. He was the prison barber. Oh man, I, wasn't that in a movie or a TV show where they made they made their their whipping boy uh, like shave them because it was like, oh no, ah, it's Game of Thrones where he makes where he makes uh, Rick shave him to yeah. show how much power he has over him. He lets him put a razor to his throat. Yeah. Can we talk about no. the actual game for a second? Because I feel like I, we uh, we haven't. Do we like, have? It's to? okay. It's no. It's no because <laughs> booing Frankie is fucking fun. Booing yes. the official is fun. But um, there was so much talking about how bad the officiating was, how bad the Bailey was based on certain points of view. Vasquez scored again. Yep. Yes. And had it needs. Yes. Had a really good goal in this game. Played MLS really record well for FC Cincinnati. Yeah, goals in which a is sad and awesome at the same time. It's awesome. Sad. Yeah, good, That's, good for him. I'm, yeah. I'm happy for. I'm happy for him. Oh, it takes the one last achievement Alan Cruz had away though. Well, Brenner <laughs> always had that eight goal no, season. I think. I think Cruz had. I think Cruz had seven. Brenner had eight last year. Ah, oh, damn. Okay. Well, I was still holding on to it's that. It's Brenner season. erasure on this podcast. Right but now. I think. I think Brenner. If he stays, we'll break we'll break his eight. So he'll he'll have plenty to look forward to. Well, I mean this eight year. for right now. Eight and counting. Right, I know. <laughs> uh no, Vasquez's goal. Yeah, I agree. I, I heard somebody describe it as a tap in. I it was a lot No, more he than did that. a lot. He did a yeah, lot. He, right? he I mean it ended up being a tap in, but he put a lot of work in to get to the point where it was a tap in. I mean that's that's some serious downplaying of what went into scoring that and again what was neat about it was it was another early goal for fc cincinnati where um they put the pressure and they take the game immediately to the opposition especially at home and we are so beyond due for a game where we do that and then put the game away it should have happened in the nycfc game but i love how aggressive this team is immediately it's rare to see a game where this team isn't pressing for the first goal. And I love to see that. That's so much fun to watch just as a fan, just watching this team and rooting for this team. It's fun that they play with a sense of urgency right out of the gate. They're not trying to play their way into the game. They're playing to win the game right yep. from first kick, which is really yep. cool to watch. I would like I, to see a game where we finally just like pour one on somebody. Oh. 
Right. We, we did to New York City. <laughs> right. And then and we did a little bit. Um, well, I mean, we, we, we put up a lot of goals against Miami, and we should have poured it on against Toronto at home. Yes. yes. Yeah. That was frustrating. Yeah. I, I mean, it is still the annoying thing. Like, we're still chasing that Austin match with our goal differential. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a radically different-looking season, just even without that game or even just, like, a 2 nothing loss. Like, I'd still feel so much better. But, yeah, we're still chasing that goal differential. Um, another thing, too, like, we have a killer counterattack. That has been... That has been established. I really, I, the one piece we're missing, and this is where Matarita being out is killing us, is we rarely have two outside backs on the field at the same time who are both threats offensively. I don't know how many minutes collectively we got of Powell and Matarita, but it was never enough. And I'd love to see Barriel's future being the left wing back in case Mata doesn't come back healthy, but I, I would love to see more games with Powell and Barrial with Barrial on the left wing back. I, I don't I, know about you guys. That's I the think, missing piece. I think it's clear that Noonan prefers at this point to play one more off- when he can yeah. play one more offensive wing back, one more defensive wing back. I think that's mostly because the center back pairing yep. has been so inconsistent this year. Yep. I think that yeah. if you, that's exactly I my think thinking you, too. If you get. Uh, I mean, it's no secret. Not Aaron Long, but somebody else. (laughs) I mean, we've heard from – we can say at this point, we've all heard from a number of sources that that Miazga is a done deal. And then there have been a couple – at least one of those sources has walked back like, I don't know what's going on with it. I heard it had happened, but it's been kind of quiet lately. Um, And also um, on that front, Miazga not traveling with Chelsea for this American uh, tour that they're going on is a little weird. I would have thought – if you would have asked me before we taped the podcast last week, and I think I might have said this on the podcast, I thought the holdup on Miazga was that they were going to bring him over here with the Chelsea American Tour, let him do some media, let him get some applause, let him sell some tickets, do some radio spots, whatever the hell it is, and then sell him at the end of that. But he's still over in the UK. He didn't even make the touring group with them as a healthy – as far as I know, a healthy uh, status. So I don't know what the hell's going on with that. But – I think that if you get someone like a Miazga or a, a center back upgrade, I think it might free up Noonan to be a little more creative with a situation with me, you know, being a little more offensive on the wing backs. But with with, with the inconsistency they've had in play at, at, at center back, they, I don't think that they feel, I don't think he feels comfortable to do that. Yeah. No, perfect. Let's get into that. Uh, we'll jump over to part two where we uh, uh, we sort of left it in part one, but we'll, we'll leave the New York Red Bull game completely. We'll talk a little midseason narrative and uh, some transfer news for FCC. So exciting stuff in number two. In part three, we have not recorded. We will not record tonight. That'll be after uh, the Vancouver match. So maybe we make a, we all make a super specific prediction uh, about the Vancouver match in, uh, in part two and see what happens. No, I'm getting the no, so we'll see what happens. All right, part two coming up. Oh, postcast episode 20, part two. Uh, FCC transfer news. I, I feel like we could really tease this and then not really have anything other than... Uh, uh, was it Sir, 
<laughs> I wrote down Sergio, Sergio Santos. Santos. Yeah. Sergio Santos, right? <laughs> That's Sergio Santos. Sergio Santos. Uh, Sergio uh, Santos just rolls off the tongue a little. I think it, I like that. That's a I think it's Sir, I think it's Sergio. I don't think it's Sergio. Is it Sergio? We should probably look that up. Did I'm, I write pretty down sure, the right, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty. Now I've convinced myself the wrong thing. <laughs> I may be re-recording this. Uh, it is Sergio. Uh, wait, no. Uh, Sergio Santos. Sergio. Wow, I wrote it the first time. Um. Fuck it. I'm keeping it in. Sergio <laughs> Santos. Sergio. For FC, <laughs> Sergio Dest. Sergio Santos. There's a whole lot of a whole lot of these guys in uh, in my life now. Uh, no, Science for FC Cincinnati comes from Philadelphia Union. Uh, all of the Union players and a lot of fans seem really upset that this had happened. Um, yet again, Chris Albright dipping into the Philly Union uh you know well at this point uh Grayson is this uh is this signing move the needle at all for you does this change your outlook on the season yeah a little bit I think he's probably offensively a little better than uh Don Baji I think he's a nice guy to bring in late in the game uh word on him is he's uh very fast um and you know there's a few guys on the team who can make those line breaking passes that he might be able to jump on um I'd be a little less excited if he is viewed as a, you know, Brenner or Vasquez replacement. I don't, I don't think he's that, but, um, by all accounts, he's a great locker room guy. Um, he's a little bit of a veteran in the league. They only have a very small portion of his salary to cover, uh, for the rest of the year. It's like, I think it's less than half. Um, and he's out of contract this year. So if, you know, Worst case scenario, he sits on the bench for three hundred thousand dollars, and you cut ties. Um, yeah. yeah. But they have they have an option next year if they want to do that. They also have an option on Baji, so maybe you look look at them both and you say, okay, uh, we'll see who performs better rest of the year. But pick up one of their options or try to try to renegotiate. You know, you yeah. it, it just it seems like a really nice Albright move where. Okay, we gave up a little bit of gam. Uh, if the incentives hit, yeah, we have to give up more gam, but that means really good things happened for us, and yeah. it doesn't and they, tie. And they have the gam, so it's right. not like it's it's they, we have a ton of it that we got from renting out the number one spot on the allocation order multiple times. <laughs> yeah, and and um, you know it doesn't tie our hands in the off season, right? This is a piece that they that they have total control over. They can turn over this roster spot. They can bring this guy back. And it all just depends on, you know, how the season goes, how things go. So I think it's a really smart move. Um, I hope it's not the biggest move of the of the window, but I, I like it. It's yeah. another it's another move which is sort of Albright's MO. It's another high floor move where yeah. that this guy is a uh, he's a known commodity in the league. He's a known commodity specifically to Albright and Noonan. And there's minimal chance that they will get no value out of this. Right. That even if he plays exactly as he has been in Philly, um, there's still going to be value that you're going to get out of this in terms of minutes that he can spell other people, that he can play as a substitute. Um, and I would assume that they're making this deal because he's probably a guy that Noonan identified as in the system I want to run, in the system of what we do, we can get more out of him than he's gotten 
in Philly. So I love these kind of moves for uh, the bottom half of your roster, where guys that aren't going to embarrass you, where guys that the, the, the floor is not going to fall out on them. And the other takeaway I had just with this was um, he is the player I least like playing against with teams that I like. Um, the guy who pops to mind with like a kind of similar skill set, albeit exponentially more talented, is uh, Sadio Mane. And I fucking hate that guy. I hate that guy so much. Just I hate that player where they just blow by people down the sidelines and it's straight line speed. They outrun someone and they yeah. create something out of nothing just purely based on being faster than the guy that's being assigned to mark them and cover them. So we've tried this on this team a couple of times, and it just never worked out. Um, the name that springs to mind from the USL days was Kadeem Dakers. We brought him in to try and do this, and then Alan Koch had no idea how to use him or didn't want to use him. Um, this was theoretically supposed to be the Isaac Atanga spot, I think, of a guy that's a burner that can get behind you on the on the uh, on the defensive side. So. I'm all for trying it again just because I would love to annoy someone else as much as I get annoyed playing against guys like this. Yeah. No, I, I, to that point, yeah. I, we've had a number of speedsters that haven't worked out. One thing I am worried about with him is that he's not a prolific goal scorer, and I'm not entirely sure how Philly deployed him previously, and I don't know if he was just opening up space for other guys to score, but 19 goals in, what was it, 75 appearances? Is that what I'm looking at? But even still, um, if, he, yeah. if he's not a goal scorer, like what kind of player do you think would benefit from having someone who can create chaos with speed, right? draw defenders, screw things up on the offensive side, and if only we had a guy who's like <laughs> mutant power was being a poacher, being in the right place, right time. We've got two guys like that right now. Vasquez and Brenner both thrive on those second ball goals. And so yeah. maybe you don't need him to score. Maybe he's being brought in specifically just to fuck some shit up so that your actual high price people that are paid to score your goals can come in on the back end and clean up. I don't know. I mean, I, I would like to see us just – I would like to see us create a little more chaos on offense. I think our offense is really good right now, but I do think that it does miss that element of really open someone up over the top with a guy you have to worry about getting behind you. Because we play tactically very well on offense. We don't we don't have that element or that club in the bag, right. and I think that'll be very interesting to see how it's deployed by Noonan. Yeah, 1975 is not a you know DP forward numbers they're not mls all-star numbers he's not threatening for the golden boot but that's a goal threat like that's yeah. somebody you have to watch on offense right and as as chief said you know we have all these pieces and then knowing that some guy could just blow by you at any second has to be in the back of your mind and i think anything that gives defenses one more thing to think about Beyond Lucho, beyond Vasquez, beyond Brenner. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. This beyond, guy feels yeah. like a perfect, like, 75th minute substitute where, and I understand that's been the, the value of that has been lessened with the more substitutes that teams have to keep legs fresh. But the idea of bringing a guy in, like, Chelsea used to do this with Pedro 
all the time over the last couple of years, where you bring the guy in that has pace for days, and it's like, okay, you've been chasing the ball around for 70 minutes. Here comes this guy who all of a sudden has a gear you didn't have when you were completely fresh at the start of the game. And I, I, I'm kind of excited about it. I don't know how it's going to work <laughs> out, but it just, it's this is fun. Like This is an acquisition where the more I thought about it, the more it was like, yeah, fuck it. This seems like it would be a lot of fun to watch. So let's do it and see what happens. Yeah, I know for a lot of people, the first thought was like, oh, forward is the last place we need to upgrade. Uh, but I, I forget who said it in the uh, the Pride Discord. But they were like, eh, given the number of times we've seen Markinick this year, um, uh, you, you could definitely use an upgrade there. So um, really, really good stuff there. And then, um, yeah, what Matt Miazga. Guys, we've talked about this. I I know we talked about it earlier in this part. I will say when the post first tweeted it out as as one of the people who who was pushing to tweet that out. The news that I had received was that this was far more done than we were leading on and we were probably being too cautious given the information we had on hand to tweet out. And he's still not here. Is this is this a timing? issue did we get somebody better in our in our crosshairs does i'll ask the chelsea expert does chelsea want to keep him i don't know what's happening here like is there a world where chelsea's like yeah he's finally made it he's our fifth choice center back <laughs> like <laughs> no there's no chance he's making that chelsea roster i mean if even half the transfer rumors that they're connected with i think they're bringing in a uh a guy on the back line from Napoli. I forget what the name was, but they've got yeah. somebody lined up on a transfer right now. Um, Aren't they linked to Screeniar? Uh, yes, and they just brought Raheem Sterling in. Like they're doing business right now in the window. There's not going to be a roster spot for Matt Miazga. He's just not good enough for that Chelsea team. And they have their token American already in Christian Pulisic. And I'm I'm hearing now that he's not on the transfer block himself, and that Chelsea want to keep him. So. They don't need Matt Miazga around anymore. He's a mortal lock to get loaned out somewhere. I, I've i heard from, independent of you, Kevin, I've heard from two different people that the Miazga thing is a was a done deal here in Cincinnati. And yeah. um, people that I trust on this sort of thing. So, I had, like I said in the first segment, I had originally thought they were waiting until after the American tour was done with Chelsea, but he didn't even make the trip. So... It's early in the window. I mean, what is it? We're, we're seven days into the window right now. And it's not like it's an imperative ad at this moment. Signing Blackett back kind of reduced yeah. that a little bit. Um, so I assume it's still going to happen because it, it makes too much sense. If, if this wasn't going to happen, you'd be hearing right now about us giving the allocation spot up to somebody. And we kept that for a reason. It's the Chekhov's gun in this entire situation where we've been waiting for it to go off the entire season. It just it still makes way too much sense. And I'm just going to choose to believe that there is something that's stupid that's holding this deal up. Like Matt hasn't found someone to move his apartment over in London or whatever it is. Like the dumbest things that we don't think about as fans, but that probably still impact when a player actually shows up on one of these deals. Right. Maybe he's house shopping right now in Cincinnati. It's a good Have point. Have you seen the market point. lately? It's outrageous. So who, who, who knows? It is kind of funny that FCC, I don't know, maybe they do. I would just 
own a couple of houses around town just so you rent them out the rest of the time you make some decent money but you got a spot whenever you need to make a move like this you know <laughs> matt we've got your house covered for the rest of the year after that you can go find something you want <laughs> but he's got to he's got to pay you rent or you got to add that to the uh you got to add that to the to the salary budget LAFC rules. We don't have to. It's a different company does that. It's right. a special sponsorship he has hooked up. <laughs> Can you imagine if the holdup on this deal is that he's a DP and that somehow Gareth Bale is a TAM player, but Matt Miazga is a DP in this league? Like, just I, fucking crazy pills. <laughs> I I think it was Ernst Tanner who called this out. It might have been DC United. No, it was definitely it was, Ernst, it was Tanner. Ernst Tanner. Yep. It was 100%. Ernst and he's a hero for calling this out because yep. everyone yeah. is thinking it. It's It's bullshit. That Bale went from making what, like 25 million euros at his yeah. last gig? And I understand the euro has been slightly devalued lately. It's on a one to one ratio with the dollar right now. So, congratulations. Uh, if you didn't spend those euros on your last trip, you're losing money. Um, <laughs> but it hasn't devalued that much to where Gareth Bale as a TAM player makes any sense whatsoever. There's, there is some back channel illegal check cutting that's going on to make this happen and to me i i mean it's 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 hilarious it's objectively hilarious as part of like what mls is but thank god bless ernst tanner for calling this shit out yes because it's 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 bullshit yes if, if nobody was uh if you'd somehow managed to to miss this one ernst tanner who is the uh the general manager i think he's the chris albright of uh philadelphia union uh just basically pointing out that uh, Gareth Bale was making, yeah, somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 28 to $30 million a year with Real Madrid. Comes to LAFC on a TAM contract, which means at most he can make $1.6 million a year. That's a huge cut when almost every club in Europe would have given him more than that. Like, that's... Wild. He apparently had a very compelling offer on the table from Cardiff. Uh, maybe he wanted to make the uh, the trip back to the capital of Wales before the uh, the World Cup, playing the championship. Um, I'm sure just about any Premier League team would have uh, offered him a contract at least worth more than 1.6 million. Everton would have given him two million dollars. Like, come on, <laughs> this is wild. So, uh, yeah, just an insane haircut uh, to to go to LAFC. And yeah, y- you gotta assume that there's a, uh, a a very sneaky sponsorship deal or somebody is letting them stay in some condo they own somewhere that it's making up quite the difference here. So. Yeah, but people, or he's like people on the run like, from Interpol or something like that. That's the only <laughs> other part of this that makes sense. So people are like, oh, living in LA is worth, you know, X dollars. But when you make $28 million a year, you live in LA wherever you are. Right. And it's right. not like it's not like Madrid or uh, London or Paris or any of these other cities that he could easily be living in are, you know, so much worse than, you know, right. Los right. Angeles or New York. Right. Arguably, every go, city you mentioned is an upgrade on right. L.A. Yeah. Do, do people go to, that go say to Milan. This, do, do these people that say this, have they ever been to L.A.? L.A. is not impressive. I like, like LA a lot, but there's a lot of other no. like really good places if you're making thirty million dollars a year. I mean, it's a city where when you breathe the air, it chokes you. When you stand on the ground, it shakes you. When you go outside, <laughs> the sun fries you. How many more things does a place need to do to tell you not to fucking live there than Los Angeles? 
Could you... Okay, so thinking about this incredibly cynically from Bale's point of view, wouldn't you have gone to go play in Dubai so that you could... I know they're probably out of season, but like... I would have taken a big contract with a team in the Middle East to get used to the weather for your World Cup prep, and you'd probably make more than $28 million for doing it. I don't know. The L.A. move just seems so weird. I think we're going to find out in you know five, ten years, or maybe sooner, that there are some checks being cut from Cupertino, California, and Apple Computer to try and... Mm goose the value of the league going into next season. And I, I would not be surprised if there are some very, very back-channel payments or some gold-plated iPhones that exchange hands in order to up the quality of play, in order to get $10 a month out of your pocket to watch these, these teams play on the new deal. I'm so glad you brought this up because I've had this dumb idea for an MLS rule for a while. Because obviously we've got GAM and TAM and DP and all that good stuff. I would love for MLS to have a list of like the 100 most famous soccer players in the world. And any player you sign off of that list doesn't count towards your salary cap. Doesn't count towards the (laughs) DP. This is strictly a branding exercise. You get, let's say you get to a team. You know, I don't want to go crazy. But like, if you can sign Neymar, move heaven and earth. If you can sign uh, Lewandowski, how is that, that that's already a rule it's just they haven't written it down like do you think right now if 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 messi said i want to come to mls for the second half of the season but i will only do it if i can go to nycfc do you really think mls would say well sorry nycfc is out of designated player spots and we have rules right. or if or if or if or <laughs> mbappe decided suddenly I want to go play in inner Miami because I think living in Miami would be really cool. Then MLS would be like, well, they'll have to get roster compliant if you want to play there. Bullshit. (laughs) Bullshit. So if you, as lo- like, I like your rule, Kevin, because at least that's intellectually honest that we're right. codifying what we would do anyway in this situation. So that at least we're name. all on the same page. They could be really good. They could be at the tail end of their career. Chiellini's a name. I'm fine with that. You know, you just have your list and it could, it could change once a week, you know, like you could just keep it floating. <laughs> oh, that'd so that be you awesome. have. Yeah, you just have like the MLS 100 and it would be published every like the first of the month. And like it would almost be like the the world player rankings for golf and tennis. And then people overseas could be like, oh, you see, I made the list. I can go to MLS whenever I want to. And they just have to pay me. And it's like a standing a standing contract offer from MLS that if you are on the list, we will wage match you if you decide to come. I got this top hundred Instagram followers in world soccer. Okay, All I'm right. into it. The and just of active players. What's yeah. that? Yeah, of active players. And it just, that surely that fluctuates, right? Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially start taking the retired guys out. But, like, Cristiano Ronaldo, he's looking for a club these days. Like, yes, any MLS team that can get him, sign him. It right, doesn't because, matter. Because it's all about, if it's all about generating eyeballs for the TV deal, all you're really caring about is brands. So, yes. so yeah, so we'll do an aggregate. If you add their TikTok followers, their Instagram followers, and their Twitter followers, you add all that up, and we have a list of the top 100 people. And it's like, maybe you're 110 and it's like, shit, I really want to go play in America. What's the hottest new dance craze I can do? And then you get like, you know, Harry Harry Styles to do that with you. You up your follower count. And then as soon as you make the list, MLS has to offer you a contract if you ask for it. And then they have I to love it. This would be incredible. 
I Except love it. if uh, if Cristiano Ronaldo came, he steps in the locker room and Chris Hansen's waiting for him. And he's like, <laughs> uh, just, just have, 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 FBI, a seat, yeah. have a seat right there, sir. I don't know. A, a, a contract set up where MLS is forced to take you and can't say no would be super on brand for Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, no. Be a good first signing for uh, for Vegas. Right? There you go. <laughs> what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> He's, he's trying real hard. Um, so, well, I love this. It's it's just yeah, just lean into the fact that it's like the league slogan is MLS. Anything to get you to watch. That's the official slogan for the league. Whatever yes. it is, we want you to watch this league. We will do whatever it takes to make that happen. I I would love it because then you could you could use your two name spots on on your name players. But then you can use your DP spots on, like, you know, the smart, clever moves that you need to make to, to make a good team. It's it's the best of both worlds. It's the best of both worlds. Um, I should point out <laughs> this here. This is so with- absurd. I would love this. <laughs> I would absolutely watch more of this league. You want Grayson always talks about he doesn't watch MLS. I'll bet this would get Grayson to watch more MLS. <laughs> I mean, just more superstar names floating around out there. Um, FC Cincinnati only has one roster spot. Grayson pointed this out to me uh, before the call. Um, this is uh, it's kind of weird because I think most of us see the, the next big move being two defensive uh, players coming in, and that can't happen without a player moving out. So... I want to hear from you, Chief. Who's who's probably the most likely to move on from FCC right now? Most likely to move on or player they would most likely to move out? Ooh. Because the player they'd most likely to move they'd most like to move out, I assume, has to be Isaac Atanga at this point. Yes. Okay. Fair. Um, I don't know who will take him, but yes. Yeah, just right. That would be wonderful. Uh, player most likely to move out. I'm going to go odd here, and I'm going to steal probably your take on this, Kevin, because we were talking before we started recording. I'm going to yeah. say Alec Khan. Um, Ooh, I like they, it. They've got Roman Celentano, and I think that at this point he is the 1A keeper. And they've got Beckham Sunderland, who they are allegedly high on behind him. Um and yeah, um, I think you Alec have Con- Kenneth Vermeer. If you, you have needed Ke- that veteran and, in the locker room, yeah. and Vermeer's going nowhere. Like nobody would want him, even if yeah. like even at the low salary, he's too terrible. So you you've got options behind Celentano. I think Khan probably of all the players that we're going to mention on this that would be realistic to to send off. He probably has the most value, mm-hmm. even as just a reserve keeper somewhere or for a team that is maybe starting a guy they don't want or has someone that's injured that they need a replacement for. But I mean you're talking the other beyond that, you're talking guys like Cruz, you're talking guys like Barial, um, that I don't know how much value they have going out. Um, but I think Khan is a guy you can we've seen we can play well without. And I think that he would make a lot of sense shipping out at this point. So that would be my take would be ship out Alec Khan. I can see it. Grayson, who do you see as, as maybe the most likely off this roster, this window? So, <clears throat> I mean, Brenner's all, all, always out there, right? But I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say Brenner. He's been playing sure. well and, you know, I. But he is the only player that we've heard solid rumors right. at the very least that he wants out. But that was also prior to his little explosion recently. So, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go Brian Windhorst on this. Okay. Ooh, okay. Ooh. So I like this. Um, Sergio Santos just spent a month in Chile 
working on his green card. Mm-hmm. Okay. Him staying in Chile prolonged uh, the trade to FC Cincinnati so he could come back. They can complete the trade. He can join the team. Okay. Calvin Harris has also been out of the country midseason working on a green card. Now, it's not clear what the sporting benefit of getting Calvin Harris a green card midseason would be because he cannot qualify as a domestic player this season because he didn't have the green card by the roster compliance date. And that's a rule change from last year. That's a rule change from last year, yeah. Um, It used to be any time time of the year, you got it. Uh, Last year, I think the deadline was the end of the first window or beginning of the summer window, I forget. But but regardless, uh, Calvin Harris is going to be an international player all season for us. And yet, they've been fine with him just being out of the team for the last however many weeks, month, whatever. Um, he's a young player. He has, I think, one more year next year on his Generation Adidas deal. Yeah. Um, he's shown flashes, but probably not been as productive as um, uh, Albright and Noonan would have liked from their, let's say, fourth uh, striker. I mean, he was already early in the season getting uh, beat out for playing time by Nick Markanik. Um So you bring in Santos. You say, okay, we're going to get more out of this number three, number four forward spot. We're going to send off Calvin Harris to another team um, who, you know, is happy to take a flyer on a young um, uh, generation Adidas forward. And that opens up an international spot. You move Nick Hagelin down to the supplemental roster. He's on a senior minimum. Now we have two senior spots open and two international spots open. Um, I don't know exactly what you do with those, but that does seem to give you <laughs> flexibility. I mean, you could bring in a, you could bring in domestics and sell the international spots. Um, a fun move would be like trading Calvin Harris to Austin for Kip Keller, who's not getting any playing time. Oh, and now we have another young wow. Uh, Generation Adidas center back. We can send wow. What Calvin talk Harris about the longest way around the mountain and his international spot draft. over there. But but I don't the know. Best I, of both worlds, Roman Celentano and Kip Keller. I love it. I'll say uh, I'll, I'll say I'll say Calvin Harris is gone this window. Let's go. I I, I, nothing nothing against him. I, I think he's he seems like a nice guy, and you know he's done some nice things for us. But um, that's oh. my that's my name. I like I that because it would continue the narrative of everything Gerard Nijkamp did was bad. So I would I would be in favor. <laughs> that would bolster that take. I love the idea now that you've you've explained this to me of how we end up with Celentano and Kip Keller and just like all of my draft takes from the MLS Super Draft. <laughs> I was both right and wrong this entire time, and that would make me so happy. So yes, that I'm. I'm revising my pick. I like that pick a lot better than Alec can. Oh, I that that is hilarious. I um I had Fatmob up here on the uh, the other screen, and now I have uh, Wayne Rooney staring at me right in the face, and it makes me think: Is there anything to Acosta going to DC to play for Rooney? Is playing for Rooney and with Rooney a different beast? Because 
I don't see it, but also I was never teammates with a, a world superstar and I guess apparently best friends with a world superstar. And maybe that matters to go play for him as a coach. Is there Are bad you, blood, though, between Acosta and DC United? Didn't they fuck his like transfer up to PSG? They I did. I thought there was still some some residual not happiness with the way DC United dealt with him when he was yes. there. There there absolutely was. So if people aren't aware, Lucho Acosta was in a hotel down the street from PSG's, I guess, stadium or offices or whatever on transfer deadline day in Europe. He had thought he had a deal done with them and DC United was putting the final touches on the paperwork and DC upped their asking price a couple million dollars at the last second and PSG said no. And that shut it down. Uh, Lucho was never the same player after that and eventually left DC on a free to Atlas. Or if there was a transfer, it was almost nothing. And that's why Lucho left MLS. Um, yeah, DC's still not a great environment generally over there. It really felt like they were content writing out a uh, an interim head coach the entire season. Um the, D, the the Rooney news makes no sense. His family isn't moving with him because his family hated living in D.C. last time. But, I mean, from um, D.C.'s point yeah. of view, I mean, you have to love this signing for Rooney because, <laughs> as as we know, um, signing a former Manchester United great to manage an MLS, I mean, that's just – that's a win. When you can get a <laughs> former player that played at Man United – that was a superstar at Man United to take an, a managerial gig in MLS after you know some middling success in the lower levels of English football. If that 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 gig here in MLS, they, they are game changers. They they understand how to get the most out of talent. And I mean, I can't think of a single example of that going wrong. Um, am I missing anything on that? Uh, I'm just trying to remember. Nope, nope, you got it. You nailed it. That's all good. Also, uh, to answer your other question, over my dead fucking body, I I will go to the airport. I will go onto the tarmac. I will will lay down in front of a 737 (laughs) to stop Lucho Acosta from leaving this this town. Um, He is the unquestioned leader of this team. Um, When he stepped up to the microphone post-game to attack officials – and attack the officiating and say, I'm here because my teammates are talking about it, and I'm here to defend my club and my teammates. I was ready to take a bullet for the little man, and no, (laughs) they cannot have him. No. No takebacks. You fucked this up. You should never have let him come to Cincinnati. He's ours now. Go all fuck off somewhere and die. No, you can't have him back. I'm sorry, Wayne. Wayne, you're not allowed to have him, Wayne. (laughs) <laughs> I think in particular we're lucky that we made him a DP because not only do we have his MLS rights, but his paycheck is coming directly from ownership. So there's not some weird bullshit MLS mechanism that they can invent to pull him away from us, which is something I feel like MLS would have tried to do if there was a, a way to improve the DC franchise. Um, oh, To answer my question, I think Kubo is the most likely gone. We haven't seen much of Kubo this year because he's been injured. Um, I think with Lucha being out against Vancouver, I'm going to steal gracing your take from the, uh, from the discord, but the, um, I do think Kubo gets to fill in as the number 10. I think he's in the shop window and um, yeah, I could, 
I could see a team, particularly Western Conference team, liking what they see in Kubo and picking him up off of our hands. So I think I, I think with Kubo, I think that makes a lot of sense. If if I was ownership, if I was Chris Albright, a I, that would be a terrible idea to put me in charge of an MLS team. But um, <laughs> but if I'm Albright, I would have already had the conversation with Kubo about what are your intentions going forward and. Kubo seems like a nice guy to have around in terms of the versatility that he has, just not on the wage bill he's on right now. And I, I would probably, if I was the Albright, have already broached with his agent about what it would take to keep him around to stay. And if that number doesn't make sense, then yeah, he would be a really good candidate to get out of here right now. But I would like to keep Kubo around. I just don't think they can keep paying him what they're paying him to do that. He just not hasn't demonstrated the worth at that level, I don't think. Yeah, I think it would be a nice gesture, too, if FCC was willing to eat half of his contract to send him to a team that would set him up for success. Uh, We'd have the space to do it, given who we're expected to be signing to fill in those last few spots. Um, And it could help set him up, and it would uh, keep that goodwill going. So uh, do the deal, Albright. That's what I'll say. The deal that I just made up for you. Um, No, that's going to do it for part two. Part three, we're going to record tomorrow. Hopefully, we're talking about a win. Maybe we aren't. Um, And we'll uh, we'll see if this uh, radically alters our outlook on the rest of the season. Um, But until then, uh, catch in the, uh, the next section there. Part three of the postcast, we're recording after that Vancouver draw that feels like a devastating loss on the night. Uh, Vancouver 2, FC Cincinnati 2, just heartbreak all around. Um, this was a bummer of a match, not going to lie. Uh, I'm Grayson, not gonna, it's, not, yeah, it's, not heart, it's not heartbreak Ooh. because the problem is known. Yeah. The back line is bad. The yeah. back line has been bad. They haven't had a replacement since Ronald Matarita went down. They're playing two center backs that probably shouldn't be starting in MLS. With Jeff Cameron, maybe he's a 50 to 60 minute guy right now. Johnny Nelson, they don't want to play the ball down his side. Like it's painfully obvious when you watch the game from the, the Bailey that the ball never goes to Johnny Nelson because they don't want to play down his wing. Because right. they know he's limited in what he can do. Gaddis concedes a goal outright because he jumps like a dude playing pickup at the YMCA that's two ACLs down. <laughs> it's it's not disappointing in this regard. This is what this team is. And Albright needs to fix it. That's just plain and simple. Either we address it in this window, and he fixes it in this window, or we're not seriously competing for a playoff spot this year. Flat out. That's what it is right now. Yeah, so um, my entire walk home from the stadium, I was just playing Hexy Mountains by Orville Peck on repeat. (laughs) And I was just thinking, like, you know, wouldn't it be swell if I could get things off my chest? Maybe you'd learn to live with what's inside your head. And it just feels like the same thing, man, over and over and over again. And, you know, by the way, like, it's it's so sad, like, what country has become that the only, like, good country is by, like, 
queer and minority artists. Like that that part's not <laughs> right. sad, but like Orville Peck, but, Little Nas X. Orville Peck is phenomenal, yeah. by the way. Like, and it's it's like you know, country used to be like I'm depressed. I shot my cheating wife. I did some cocaine. I'm in Mexico, and now it's like I'm a cop, or like my dad owns a jet ski dealership. <laughs> and, and that's like it. Like it's so it's so awful. But but okay. Anyway, it's been all downhill the, since Toby Keith started driving a Ford F one fifty onto stage live because he was being sponsored by a Detroit automaker. Yeah. So so back back to the back to back to this game. Um. This is why I was not ready. I mean, look, I don't. I'm not gonna like crucify the guy or anything, but this is why I wasn't ready to like extend Albright earlier in the season, right? Like, I think Noonan has clearly shown his worth. Yeah, you know, getting what he's gotten out of this group of players, which is can't finish a game. I mean, that's a we're, we're rapidly reaching a point where you have to say that Noonan isn't pulling the right levers down the stretches in games Dude, to finish games off. But Noonan is is going with, by and large, the same group of players that finished last place last three years. Yeah. Like, other than OB, there's not a significant uh, improvement over who, like, we have, we're, we're, we're held together with, like, draft picks and... Uh, senior minimum players yeah right? see this is why i'm i'm not willing to say noonan can't close out games there's literally no defenders on the bench for him to sub in i mean okay yes there was ian murphy but like there there's five defenders to start the game and there is one substitute like there's that's a terrible situation and yeah, the, the other the other options are to like move guys out of position and radically reshape everything. It's, I mean, we've known this like since like week three that this team. Well, ever since, I mean, it goes back to Viasia. Now that I think about it, this is we're missing yeah. Gustavo Viasia, and if we're not missing him, we're missing who should have been his replacement. The week I mean, or like, two after okay, he left, so I was saying we're this Gustavo Viasia, but it's not like Gustavo Viasia is lighting it up elsewhere. I mean, fair, fair. I would say I mean, we're I'm, missing yeah. we're missing Gustavo Viasia's profile on this team. A young, athletic, you know, high ceiling player. I mean, here's the killer for me: is that final Vancouver goal? Blackett absolutely just abandons all concept of playing the sport of soccer. Uh, I forget who crossed it in, but the dude had completely misplayed the ball and the ball went past him and he had like swung at it awkwardly and, and didn't connect. And Blackett, I guess, gave up on the play and the dude just kept after it, crossed the ball in goal. It's just the most frustrating thing where it's like Blackett doesn't need to be on this team anymore. Like that's just unforgivable Again, given a player of his profile, so both but goals it's, it's tonight. Not just, it's not both just, goals tonight felt like just classic yeah. FC Cincinnati goals, right? right. And yeah. it, it's not just it's not just that though. It's that this team, and I get the idea of the substitutes aren't there in certain instances, but this is yet another game where FCC had chances down the stretch to add the yeah. third goal, and they spit the bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're you're looking at. Um, they dominated possession in this game. And I know that I'm on the record multiple times as saying possession is overrated in MLS, but I think they had the ball 63% of the time in this game. And 
there were a number of opportunities in that second half to add the third goal, and they just didn't. And mm-hmm. you're talking some brutal, brutal misses on, like, you know, shooting the ball dead at the keeper. When you've got time oh. to 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 tap the ball down to yourself, still have time to, to pick your spot, and you blast it right down the middle, and oh. it's an easy save. Um, the set pieces were bad. I know part of that is Lucho being out a little bit, um, since he's usually the trigger man on corner kicks, but they didn't give themselves a chance on any of those set pieces down the stretch. Um, and it's all it's all a bigger picture where um, they won that Minnesota game at the death. Um, that was great. That was really cool to see. But since that's happened, there's sort of been a, a clear that this team they they generate lots of chances down the stretch, but they don't put games away. They don't score that extra goal to um, to finish a game off, and they don't see games out. Yeah. Like they didn't see this game out, um, and part of that's on Noonan. I think I don't know what you say about that, um, but the clear takeaway for me after this game was over is that the window is open. It's beyond needed to go fix the back line. Yeah. Go no. do it. I'm I'm sick of I'm sick of wondering why it's not happening. Go fix it. Right. Go get right. someone or if you don't then come out and say that we were not going to mortgage the future or change the game plan yes. and then we're all on the same page that this yes. year isn't the year to go for it. But if I'm in the corner office at one FC Cincinnati place or whatever the address is for the, the team office, I don't think that's an acceptable answer this year. When you're in playoff position and you've got a chance to get the fan base back engaged, I don't think sitting on the sidelines is the answer. You have the top spot in the allocation order. You're sitting on a lot of gam. You've got a lot of flexibility. And you clearly have the green light to go make deals because you brought Santos in. Like you've got yeah. the green light to make deals. Go make a deal to fix the spot on this roster that needs to be fixed. Yeah, I've written that, I've written about this please. for the post that I think you need to you need to at least tell your story, right? Yes. Like, there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes. We can't see it. We don't control it. I understand, but tell us what is going on, right? Yes, I don't. See if what's if wrong you with if that. you don't if you if you don't get Miazga. Tell us what happened, man. Like, don't let it don't don't just let it go silent, and just say like, uh, you know, it's really hard to make deals. Everybody makes deals. Literally, like, like that's like every other team in the league is making deals. And I can understand like every every situation is unique. Every player is unique. There's situations with like what resources we have, what players are available. I understand all of those things, but literally, your job is to find soccer players to play on a soccer team. And if you can't do that, <laughs> right. if you can't do that, you can't do your job. Right. You can't just complain like, oh, it's hard. There are dozens of soccer leagues. Go find a guy. Just, just, just let, let, me, let me say this. I'm not like, I'm not like selling short on, on Albright or anything. But this is like what we heard from in, in the night camp years was like, oh, it's really hard to sign a player. But like yeah. everybody else does it. 
So like, like, like we all have jobs, right? We all have jobs that require us to invest time and energy. And some of our jobs are hard. I can tell you like my job requires me to do very hard things sometimes. But my job is to do the hard thing. Right. right. I can't just complain, complain like, oh, I'm sorry, it was hard. <laughs> that's the thing. The, the hardness is no, the yeah, job. That's, that's, why I get my, that's why I get my paycheck, right. to do right. the hard thing. <laughs> no, and I, I do think we need to point out the fact that, yes, the, the one deal we've gotten so far midseason here is Sergio Santos, who had two red flags going into uh, joining FC Cincinnati. The, which the, is, the, Santos, the Santos deal is fine. No, I, I think no, I think the no. deal. I, I think we need to point out that no, he's a speedster no. who can't finish, and he's injury prone. And we got one of the worst misses ever, in my opinion, and then immediately gets hurt and has to be. But he out. got in the position, and Newton <laughs> said it was a knock. Yes. Okay. Fair. At some point, we've sort of got to like, as a fan base, and you know, just we have to sort of, what are we happy with this year? Because, yeah. like, objectively. Drawing another game. We haven't lost a match since May 28th. We've only won one game during that time period, but we haven't lost a match since May 28th. Yeah. We're generating chances. Um, the team doesn't look lifeless like it did during at all points during the Yapstam era. And like if the goal is just to to you know fuck around in the middle of the table and don't finish in last, then we're mission accomplished right now. But you know, I just it's 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 funny how you get a taste of better and start to want better, and it's I'm wanting better from this right now, and maybe that's my mistake. Yeah, it feels like this team should be like man, <laughs> like 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 right? I have said, it's it's this team on a roster is is not you know that much better than the team last year that that was terrible that was like historically bad right yeah but it feels like on a game by game basis they should be higher up the table yes yes and that's frustrating and like maybe it's because Noonan is pulling them so far along you know, then they're overachieving by that much. But also, like, you know, we've we've seen both Pat and Laurel write about how Albright and Noonan are messaging that the place on the table is affecting their plan in the transfer window. And we haven't seen anything. And, like, I get that the window's still open. I get we don't see everything. But I do think it's extremely important that either we see significant, significant movement or they come out and tell us what the fuck happened. Right. Yeah. What if What if the movement, like, they're taking the position on the table to inform their decision? What if the the plan originally was just to tear everything out? and to sell every single viable player off for 2023 GAM. And they looked at the table and went, ah, we're doing okay. Let's just coast until the winter and do it then. Then you have you have to tell us that. Yeah. You have to say that. 
You have to say yeah. we thought we and, had a team that could qualify for the playoffs and we didn't want to disrupt it. And there You are have ways, to put it out there. There are ways you can say that that don't throw the team under the bus where you can say to the fan base, like, look, we wanted to give these guys a chance to play or our focus is on 2023. We wanted to maintain flexibility going into 2023. And that's like you've given us enough code words as a fan base to understand, oh, they weren't willing to – trade away assets or give up assets that would hinder their flexibility going into next year where they think they have the ability to roster build. Um, There's ways you can tell the fan base that. I don't think we need to hear from Albright like this week, but I think we need to hear from Albright maybe next week. Yeah. Before the window closes, I think. Yeah. We need need to hear hear something. where we're at right now is is it's just hard to reconcile this team that this is a team that can go and they can draw the number one team in the East. And they can draw the number two or the number three team in the East and look like they're playing them from punch for punch. They can draw but, every team in the league, top to right. bottom. <laughs> but then they go down to a team that we think was probably inferior to them, missing starters tonight, and they draw that team too. It's, it's – they – they're yeah. playing to whatever the level of their competition is, and and so there, it just creates the sense that there's not progress, that there's just tr- you're treading water, and yeah. if that's what the goal is this year, then you got to let the fan base know that's what the goal is this year, because otherwise everyone's just going to get frustrated that you're right there for the first time in the history of this team being in the MLS, and you're not putting your foot down on the accelerator. Because it yeah. does feel like we are one, like, honestly, like, two pieces ideal. Yeah. But one really good defender. And this team is really doing something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, that's how it feels. And <sighs> it's, it's extremely, man, I, look, I, I've been... I, I've been here the whole time. <laughs> been going, been going to games out of out of essentially obligation. <laughs> I I don't want to like all of a sudden become entitled, but like it's we have a roster spot, right? Yeah. And and it seems like we have resources, See, and with yeah. the top of the allocation order. What are we, what are we doing? I mean, hey Taylor, like, what's like, up? Okay, I'll right. say, I'll say, I'll say this. Okay, there's one scenario that, like, if so, like, if we had a deal for like Brenner going out, and then suddenly a person in in an executive position was like meddling, it was like, well, now he's got five goals in three games, so you have to pay like two million dollars, two million more dollars. And this is holding up all of the deals or whatever. Then, like, okay, that okay, I get it. But otherwise, like, let's get let's get some stuff done, right? There's there's like, there ways. are plenty yeah. of center backs. Yes, there are plenty of defenders. Yeah, that would improve this team. The entire yes. world plenty. plays soccer. There are right. center backs literally everywhere. 
Yes. I don't know who the best center back in USL is, but I, I mean, they're probably enough to do a shift if we needed to. Like, Ian Murphy and Tyler Blackett aren't cutting it. I, give me Louisville, the shot. Louisville can't stop selling players to Europe for right. $7 million or right. whatever. Come on. <laughs> do we loan in a USL player? How bad does that look? Uh, I no, don't care. I, if it helps and it – I don't care. I don't right, care where right, they come right. from. Yeah. Uh, I don't no, care I, I agree with you, Grayson. It's the killer is is like we have all the pieces. It would be one thing if we were just like strapped for gam and we didn't have a roster spot and we were like in twenty second in the allocation spot. You'd be like, well, shit. You know, we're doing the best we can with what we got. You know, this team was hamstrung thanks to to you know Nycamp at all and. Uh, no, like they've got everything. They've got everything they need. They've got a a pocket full of cash and are wandering around Walmart trying to figure out why they can't buy, I don't know, a file organizer. And it's like, come on, guys! Like, and, and, you have and everything also, to like, do this. Like this team has held itself out as willing to spend, right? Right. Willing to take losses. Look at the money Toronto has been willing to eat. Yes. To turn over yeah. their roster. They're churning designated okay. players in that on that roster. So, like, like, don't don't hold yourself out as an ambitious team, as a spendy team. Yeah, and in and cheap out on bringing us the pieces that we need right now to, frankly, be contending for the conference. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, they can do that, and they don't have to give up the flexibility that they have next year because they have right. so much flexibility next year they have so many contracts expiring next year they will have so much money to play around with next year to retool this roster i i just i refuse to believe that in a universe of soccer players around the world (laughs) that there isn't a person out there that they can go get that improves this team right now and i get that like losing ronald moderita that sucks. And like the hole that's on this team is a Ronald Moderita sized hole on the back line. And that's one you didn't anticipate. But you've been injury lucky otherwise. You haven't had to go fill a hole elsewhere on the team because they've been relatively good in terms of knocks and injuries. You got to go fix it. You, you just, it's it, the time, as I said in Indiana Jones, the time for talking has ended. Like, <laughs> go fix it. Yes. Yes, and I think it's a very fair criticism, Chief. I know you were making this point earlier uh, that, like, the time wasted here is costing us matches. Yes, like, all these this... games count the same. Yes. Every one of these games counts the same. It's like this fallacy we have in sports as fans that that the games down the stretch matter more than the games earlier in the season. Yes. So you think to yourself as a sports fan, oh, if we'd have only won – that final game against DC United to put us in the playoffs. Well, I mean, yeah, that would have put us in the playoffs theoretically if that's the way it turns out. But any game along the way going the other way could also have put us in the playoffs. And it's like every game that you sit and don't make a move in the window. But the window's open. You could have made a move at the start of the window and had a player available for this game that could have changed the outcome of this game. They all matter. Yep. So sitting on your hands and waiting till the end of the window, on one hand, it's like, oh, yeah, they've still got more time to make a deal. But every game they wait to make that deal 
puts them further behind the eight ball. And, you know, they're going to go into a rivalry game against Columbus where if they had made that deal this week, maybe that player is available for that game. But now, no chance. And so we're going into the Columbus game playing the same back line with the same issues. The, The best time to make a deal is yesterday. The second best time to make a deal is right now. So right. go make a deal. Oh. Um, so I don't I don't want to like be I, I know I've, I've done my fair my fair share. <laughs> I don't I don't want to like I don't want to like end on like a negative note or just like be overly negative. I mean because this is going to be a wild emotional swing from segment <laughs> 1 and segment 2 to segment 3. So just yeah. let, let's just go with it. Cuz no. look, uh Bar- Barrio's goal Great goal. Really Phenomenal. good goal. Phenomenal. You know, uh, uh, Vasquez's goal, the the work that Brenner put in mm-hmm. to to hold on to the ball, to find that pass, and the Vasquez finish, another great goal. Right. So, you know, hold on. Is it is it a cancelable take? And I'm not saying this take. I'm asking oh, you I to if it's wait. a cancelable I take. I cannot wait. That, like, I was rooting for Cody Cropper to stay in the game. Because I thought he was good for like at least two more goals let in. Yes. I'm happy was, he's healthy. I hope yes. he's feeling well. But like when he got up, I you know, I applauded a little bit extra hard because I felt like that guy owes me two more bad misses in net for what yes. I watched in that NYCFC match. I, yeah. I really wanted uh Barrial to finish the goal after Cropper and his defender crashed into each other. I yeah. really, really wanted that finish. I don't know if it would have counted. It wasn't clear to me, but I don't see any reason why it shouldn't have counted. Like I also don't understand nope. why they Nobody got the foul back proper. after that. Yeah, yeah. So how can he? How can he play again? And then you concussion sub him. I don't understand that. Yeah, Vasquez had Vasquez had not Vasquez. Fuck, Vancouver had six <laughs> subs that game. Yeah, they had four stoppages and six subs. Apparently, FCC got an additional sub, according to a tweet I saw from CST. I don't which know is we... fine. Which, like, okay, fine. The guy we're what subbing is probably FCC a bum. got an like, additional sub? That, that's what this Cincy Soccer Talk tweet said. was like, per MLS rules, FCC also gets an additional sub to, like, make <sighs> it even. It's, it's just... I'm... I don't understand why. I mean, I'm happy Cody Cropper was healthy. I'm happy he's, you know, not seriously hurt. He looked like he went full Stone Cold Steve Austin getting a pile driver and breaking his <laughs> neck on that. Um, but having said that, A, it was bullshit. They got the ball on a free kick after the stoppage was a result of their two players taking each other out on a scoring yep. opportunity for FC Cincinnati. That's nonsense. Yep. And them being able to sub him out later after he cleared whatever test there was right there, that's nonsense. And yep. the fact that he didn't play the second half to let in three more goals that he owed us, <laughs> that was also yep. nonsense. Yes. Yeah. Injury aside, assuming he's healthy, I, I would have loved for Cropper to stay in the game and for FCC to just run up the score on him because yes, right. I'm 100%. sure he's a, I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm sure he's got a nice family. <laughs> I will never I will never forgive that NYCFC match. No. That was that was particularly brutal. No, I, I and again, Grayson, to your point, I uh, I was happy with this game in some ways, in that like it wasn't a loss. The team scoring goals, it was 
I think a fun game in general. There were parts where it dragged towards the end, but it was it was an entertaining product. Um, I'm also looking at this from a very weird lens where it was a company outing for me. So, like, shout out to all my coworkers who randomly got told that I host a podcast today, which was super embarrassing. I had to show my face around the office after that. But uh, in the um, next episode of the postcast, Kevin Wallace will also have a pseudonym that he'll be recording yes. under. It's <laughs> <laughs> rough. Um, but it was funny kind of watching the game through the eyes of people that had, like, never watched a soccer game before. And they were, like, getting into it. They were having fun. Like, it was a fun game to take people like that, too. And sometimes I miss that. Like, living and dying on every referee decision and things like that. And it was like, you take a half step back. It's like, this was actually kind of a fun game. And, yes, FCC absolutely should have had the win. But on the now, face wanna, of it undefeated in six that's fun i don't want to be negative i don't want to be negative they haven't lost and there is at no point like as mad as i was walking out in the pouring rain i wouldn't trade and go back in time to 2019 2020 or 2021 you couldn't pay me enough this is this is so much more entertaining the team gives a shit the players look like they give a shit the coaching is is exponentially better this is better and I'm greedy for more. And that's a me problem, not an FCC problem. So, And I'll say this. As, as frustrated as you are that like Noonan can't seem to close out games, I guarantee you Noonan is 10, 20, 30 times more frustrated <laughs> that this like, team is like not that. closing out games. Yes. I don't know if you guys- I love his yeah. I love his post-game interviews. I didn't see them today. <laughs> I did not see them today, but I look forward every week yes. to seeing whatever Noonan says after the game to his press conferences. He is he has got to be the best in the game at it. I I don't know if you guys absolutely the best in the business. Yes, I don't know if you guys saw the video of uh, Lucho Acosta finding out he's an all star, but my uh, they they like played a, a video of his wife and his two kids telling him that he's an all star. Um, but afterwards, Noonan congratulates uh, Acosta as well, and Noonan giving Acosta congratulations sounds exactly like I'd expect most like fathers telling their kids that like the goldfish died. Like, and it's just like <laughs> he is not amused whatsoever. <laughs> just... You could just you could you could tell that there was a seething anger. That Alex Steck came up to him and said, "We have to film some content for social media." He's like, "Fucking fine, do it quickly and get the fuck out of my." I, ima- I, I imagine Noonan's reaction is, "The guy makes two million dollars a year. He doesn't even play. He better fucking be an all star." <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, this is it's just putting Brenner and Obi on notice for having not made the all star, yeah. and I don't want to hear excuses, Obi. You should have played your way onto that team. Um, yeah. Oh. No, I, I, I mean, look, we're we're in a better spot. Uh, nobody, well, I was gonna say nobody got hurt, but Santos, what'd you say? It sounded like he just picked up a knock. Hopefully, he's he's back in health. Hopefully, it's just a knock. Hopefully, he's yeah. fine. I mean, we could have the fullest strength team to go against Columbus this Sunday. Very, very exciting. You know what? If they be, if they beat Columbus this weekend, I'm back on the wagon. Like, I'm yeah. I'm not off the wagon. That's a that's a bold statement like if they beat columbus again i'm i'm you know double middle fingers to everyone it's i'm so easy to please in this shit 
this is this is very much so i so i don't know if people know this i'm an ohio state fan and as, like every ohio state coach you want them to be undefeated in one of two seasons there is uh all the games and there's the michigan game right right <laughs> and if you go undefeated in one of those seasons you've 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 done a good job, <laughs> and so if if we beat uh, Columbus this weekend, uh, I I'll feel very good about the month of July, regardless of what else happens. <laughs> I can I can get down with that. It's just the most annoying time ever. Uh, Sunday late, like come on! I feel like MLS has done this ever since we've we've been in MLS with columbus crew that just like they make them the most inopportune times for traveling fans for both sides i think columbus played here on like a, a thursday it's because afternoon. everybody fucking hates us man <laughs> yes i mean it's a conspiracy the, at this like, point it is a it is a conspiracy i'm sorry the columbus Cincinnati games should always be on saturdays yes saturday night or saturday afternoon like one of the yeah. two Sometime between 4 and 8 p.m. Yes. And thank God Apple can't come fast enough and we can get rid of this bullshit. But we know it's always on a Sunday or or Saturday or a Wednesday. And we're done with this Sunday nonsense. Well, they'll put it on a Wednesday. They'll put it all on Wednesday. I mean, it's one of the very few rivalries you can drive to. Like, come on. And I can't even go to the Columbus home game. No. Like, I would be going to the game if it was on Saturday. Oh, this is so annoying. Um, but no, FCC is going to win that one. So that'll be fun. We'll talk about that one next week. They uh, scheduled the home game on my wedding anniversary. The best. Which was a conspiracy against me personally. Well, that's your mistake for getting married on that day. Yeah, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's true. Really should have thought Getting married at all, right? Oh, no. <laughs> that's a different podcast. He's an, o- <laughs> he's an Ohio State fan, so getting married in the fall wasn't an option. True. No. <laughs> Uh, gentlemen, is uh, is that going to do it for postcast episode twenty? My goodness, take yes. us home. Let's get out of here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for struggling uh, on through with us. Uh, rough game against Vancouver, but fun times. Episode twenty ends right now. Buck Columbus. 